This is August 29th, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media. Welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And on this episode, Connor Ryan and I got into talking about uh, this recent Jim Montgomery interview he did with Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald. We get into some of the big takeaways, what they mean. Uh, and then we also get into sort of Jim Montgomery in general. Uh, you know, is he the right guy for this team? Will there be sort of a short leash on him? After last season's finish, I know obviously, you know, uh, incredible season for him last year, but at the same time, is he the right guy for the job? Um, and, and what will this team sort of look like, uh, without Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci? Uh, so we get into all that in this episode. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan, who's presented by our good friends over at FanDuel. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I started my weekend off great. I watched Boston Globe today with you uh, on Friday at five o'clock. I was, it was just, it was the perfect tone setter for the weekend. I really, I really enjoyed it. Doing a great job. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was arguably the best TV show I watched throughout the weekend. It's it's close. I, that's, I'd say that's number one. But number two was I finished Breaking Bad. That's Finally so, fin- no, uh, don't don't say anything. I don't. won't. I, don't do it. He can't get away with this. Um, heck of an ending. Heck of a show. Um, happy I finally finished it. It took me long enough. I know people were like, oh, you're taking it 10 years. I watched other stuff. There, I, I wish I watched it earlier. That would have been cool. Um, but... One of those shows that I'm happy I watched and uh, hell, hell of a show. That was, yes. I'd say that's up there like with, I'd say for dramas, that's in top three for sure. No order for me, The Wire, Mad Men and Breaking Bad would be like my top three. West Wing is a close fourth. Um, obviously, I've never watched The Sopranos. There's other shows I haven't watched, but of the stuff I've watched, I feel like that would be like my three, my three best. So um, it's good tier to be in. Yeah, it's like S tier. So I can't, uh, I can't complain about that. Um Anyways, you know who we heard from over the weekend that we have not heard from since the end of last season? That was Jim Montgomery. Jim Montgomery sat down with Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald and uh, sort of gave his take on this upcoming season. And, you know, early look at the lines, expectations, uh, what life will be like without Bergeron and Krejci. And I want to start with uh, Montgomery kind of went into what his top lines might look like uh, come the start of the season. And the plan as of now, it seems pretty mapped out, is uh, Van Riemsdyk with Zaka and Pasternak, then DeBrusque, Coyle, and Marchand. I know we've talked at length about, you know, the idea of potentially putting Frederick with Coyle, them two working really well together, wanting to see what you get out of them. Uh, But it feels like that's not going to be how it is to start, at least as of now, unless Frederick just kind of goes off in camp and Van Riemsdyk doesn't. Uh, What do you make of these, these, uh, these lines early on here in August? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily surprised with Coyle and Zaka being the top six. I think 
you know, we've mentioned Morgan Geeky being a guy that could get those rests, but I feel like that's a break glass in case of emergency. It's not going right in <laughs> mid-November. Uh, so the top six, center-wise, doesn't make uh, – it, it doesn't have a lot of surprises, I think, for me. Those are your two best centers, the two guys that you kind of trusted last year in the playoffs to drive play and did a good job there. Again, wanting to do it through the adrenaline of a few playoff games, nothing to do over 82-game season. So, again, we'll, we'll see how that maps out. Um, Coyle with Marshan and Russ, not much of a surprise. I think probably Coyle, in terms of his plays as a top six center, has probably more questions than Vaca in terms of just if he has the overall skill set to consistently do that. So I could see why you want to kind of load up that line with a guy like DeBrusque and a guy like Marshan, who both are you know proven play drivers, Marshan especially, but I think DeBrusque last year showed quite a bit. Uh, even though he was with Bergeron and Marchand, he still did a lot by himself just off of his own play. So I can see kind of loading up that line, kind of be your, your two-way line now that Bergeron's gone. Um, Coyle and Russ really haven't played all that well together in the past, so we'll see how that kind of meshes. Um, but I can see the thinking there. Zaka and Pasternak makes plenty of sense. Keep those guys together. Uh, you know, Zaka's probably your most gifted playmaker down the middle, I would say. So keep him with Pasternak, who we played with all, all of last year. Keep that going. And then Van Riemsdyk is kind of the interesting one, right? Because I think when we talked about our different line combinations and we talked about, like, Frederick up with Coyle and, and Marchand and people, you know, I don't think people were especially large fans of that, but I think it was more not just that of Coyle and Frederick have played well together. It's more importantly, it was the domino effect of, like, all right, then you can put the brusque back at left wing, put him with a very fast-paced line with Zaka and Pasternak. And Reevesdyke, like, I think, I wouldn't say I'm, like, high on him, but I think he has a lot to give to this team. I think he can be a guy that can give you 15, 20 goals in the right spot. But in terms of five-on-five play, that's where my biggest question mark, I think, is is with him is, is he better suited there or is he more on, like, a, a puck possession kind of cycling line with a guy like Geeky, you know, as opposed to Zaka and Pasternak, who I imagine, really how they all how the season plays out. That seems like not really a line that's a grind out, cycle the puck, possess the puck. It's kind of a quick strike. You kind of know where their strengths are. And I can see that's the line that you give 65, 70% ozone starts and let them kind of wreak havoc. But I don't know if Ben Reams likes that play style is conducive to that. So that's kind of the, the one question mark I have there. But again, even though Montgomery has this point going into it, stuff's very fluid. We, we know how this goes over the long course of the season. This line's going to look very different throughout the year. I mean, pretty much said, like, the bottom six is, like... Who knows? So, again, yeah, so <laughs> keep an open mind. But I can see why that's a solid jumping-off point, and then we'll see kind of once training camp gets started preseason how those things kind of fall into place. Yeah, I feel like Van Riemsdyk, you know, if you're next to Zaka and Pasternak, you're going to pick up some five-on-five points. But you're right in terms of, you know, can he keep up? <laughs> can he kind yeah. of play that style that that Zaka and Pasternak uh, kind of uh, trademarked this past year. The other thing, though, is on paper, going into this season, right, from Montgomery's end, it's probably the most reliable, on paper, top six you could put together, right? Those are your most your your six most reliable forwards that you have. And I guess if you look at it from Montgomery's perspective, right, like ownership still wants to win. The Jacobs are not looking to fully rebuild. They, they, want, they want playoff tickets, like... The, this is not a franchise that wants to go into, well, let's, let's, you know, let's play every kid, you know? Um, we threw the Frederick idea out there, and I still really like it, as, hey, see what you got. Like, I want them to see what they got this year. But from Montgomery's perspective, right, 
Yes, he won the Jack Adams uh, this past season for the regular season success, but he fell on his face in the playoffs. I mean, he had a really bad seven-game series against Florida, and so did the team, by the way. I'm not saying it doesn't all fall on Montgomery, but Montgomery's end to a really good season was just a complete collapse. He does not want to go into this year and have a slow start or have, you know, guys in places maybe that aren't popular, like a Frederick in the top six and not perform well. And suddenly the team is, you know, starting below 500 in their first 15 games. And I'm not saying that would happen with Frederick in the top six, but it's more likely to happen with Frederick in the top six, I think, than than Van Riemsdyk. So I think in some ways it's sort of an added level of stability that top six to a very unstable forward grouping. It feels like. Yeah. And again, it's such a a fluid thing in terms of how these lines pan out and what you expect and all that stuff that I'm sure if we guessed last late August, when we were going through these lines, how accurate we were, I feel like we probably weren't in terms of how these things overall panned out. Hell, we probably even have like Frederick in like the third line, like last year. So again, if he's, you know, if he starts off on the third line and builds his way up and all of a sudden fights into those spots where he warrants a, um, a role higher up in the lineup, like he, the opportunity's there. It's, it, that's the good thing. I think when you look at these lines is that uh, it, you obviously have the guys who are set in stone, the Marchand, Pasternak, again, Zaka most likely, but other guys step up. Debrusque, right? hopefully. Yeah. Debrusque. <laughs> but like if guys like Geeky take a step forward, Frederick, um, all these other players, you know, there's room to, to bump up into the lineup. It's not like, you know, it was a luxury for the Bruins and like, don't get me wrong. It's much better when you have a top six that you can be like, all right, uh, it is September 1st. We know what our top six is going to be. Like, we have Bergeron, Krejci, Marshan, Pot. Like, it's a lot easier when it's that way. When there's going to be one guy I'm missing in the equation that could probably bump up there. You've got, like, three or four. Uh, it's a, probably uh, a tougher battle for Montgomery in terms of finding the best possible guy because you're going to be slotting a lot of guys into key spots, seeing where they best fit. might lead to up and down results in terms of uh, production out of the gate, but Again, if you have that opportunity to grow, that should give guys like Frederick or Geeky or these other players more motivation to fight up into the lineup. Because it's not like these, they're not trying to leapfrog a Hall of Famer on the depth chart, right? Like they've got, uh, you know, guys who are solid can fill those roles, but it's not set in stone by any means. No, it's not. And it's I, the most interesting quote I thought I saw from Montgomery in, uh, in the story was uh, on the center position. And he said, I think Zaka's ceiling is significantly higher. I guess he was talking about Coyle as well there. Uh, not only is he physically prepared, more importantly, I believe he's ready for this mentally, for the kind of minutes, the responsibility of having to be played in all situations, which he did really well last year, but they're going to be more important minutes. But I just think he's mentally ready. He believes that he can do it. That's the biggest step for a player. I have a lot of confidence that our top two lines will be very good because I believe Charlie Coyle knows he can do the job and will do the job, and Zaka does too. But mainly that first part about Zaka's ceiling being significantly higher I, I mean, I agree. I think Zaka, you know, showed last year. And I think he showed, I mean, mainly last year that, you know, he, he can thrive in the top six, whereas Coyle in past years has had sort of a tougher time um, centering uh, the second line or jutting into that top six. Um, what I would say, though, is Coyle, you sort of have an idea what you're going to get. There's more of a solid sample size, you know, two 40 point seasons the last two years before that he was fairly reliable i'm not saying as a top six guy but reliable zaka in new jersey was not didn't work i mean that just really did not work um but obviously last year you know just completely comes into his own 
and and moves up. I'm curious, like, is there a chance? Is there a chance? I, I saw a uh, top six center, a top. I saw a team's number one center ranking. I think for the Eastern Conference. I don't know who did it or you mm-hmm. know, who who it was, but Zaka was 16th out of out of 16. And like, how much higher do you think Zaka can get this year? I mean, it depends on he's got especially Pastor next to him a way to to help out his numbers. But I also, yeah, you look at how he played last year. I don't think he was a liability. Like he has more room to grow, but he was a guy who hit 60 points last year. Like he wasn't even like a pat, like he was when uh, he filled in for Krejci in, in, in the second line center spot. I think he had like eight points in 10 games. Like he was a productive player in that spot without having a proven playmaking conduit like Krejci who's feeding him passes as well. Like when Zach is on his game, when he's shooting the puck, especially, which I think we saw, I think it was very early on in camp. Montgomery's talking about how they wanted to shoot more. And you can kind of see it when he's out there because he has a really underrated shot. Um, he can do a lot of damage. So, you know, is he going to be this second coming great two-way player? Is he going to all of a sudden break out for 85 points? No, but if he can give you 65, 70 points uh, in that spot, um, you know, I think that's probably the best case scenario. But if he can give you that and drive play and, and keep up with a guy like Pasternak, who, again, can kind of help out whoever he plays with, just as how great of a finisher he is. Uh, I think there's definitely room for improvement. Is he going to be a top 10, 15 center in the league? We'll see about that, right? But I think if you can be a guy that can hold play, drive play consistently, and just do your job in that role, and you have a lot of talent on your wing, I think that's what the Bruins are looking for. Same with Coyle. Like, Coyle, if he gives you 45, 50 points, plus, uh, you know, plays a really good two-way game, I think you'll take that for on a line with a guy like Marchand or DeBras. So I think that's the most important thing is just filling in those roles, uh, working with your line mates, and, and most importantly, just driving play is the biggest thing. So uh, I think those are the expectations you, you should set. And, you know, I, I don't see them like – I don't see a situation where like Zach all of a sudden just like plummets and he's a 30-point guy, goes back to New Jersey, or like Coyle's got – two assists in 10 games to start the year when he's got guys like Martian and DeBras. I just don't see that with the supporting cast around them, uh, especially. Before we continue on with the conversation, I want to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now, obviously, is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. Again, bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. And all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Again, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In Mass, 21 plus and present in Mass. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. 
GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends September 18th, 2023. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription revenue renews. Cancel any time. Now, back to the show. Yeah, since uh, 13-14, right? David Krejci's point totals. 69, 31, 63, 54, 44, 73, 43, 44, 56. I think that's attainable for Saka. I don't think that's like bananas. I, you know, I think obviously the, the long-term stability that Krejci and Bergeron provided were outstanding, right? Franchise stalwarts, you add in, you know, Bergeron's exceptional two-way play and him being you know arguably the greatest uh, two-way forward of all time that's a different thing but just point totals right neither were off the charts points wise you know they were you know Bergeron was 70 80 Krejci was 50 60 70 like Zaka should come somewhere within the 50 60 70 mark every year I don't think that's this crazy thing to think and by the way I think the Bruins are paying him as such I don't think that they think it's crazy attainable for him. Um, so like, I, I don't think those numbers are, you know, out of the realm of possibility for, for Zaka. I think the way he plays, I think having Pasternak riding next to him. And if that's a partnership that now is the next, you know, four or five years, like, I think you have something there. Again, I'm not saying Zaka is going to be a top five center in the NHL. He's not going to be, I don't think he will, but in terms of, you know, not being number 16 and moving into being, you know, number eight or nine or 10. Right. I don't think that's crazy. I think the tools are there. Um, and this is sort of a good situation for him. So Zaka, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's, if, if, as you said, a consistent 70, 60 point threat. I don't see how that's like crazy. You know, I know, I know right. Devils fans would say it is. Devils fans would be like, what? It's got, you know, he's flashing the pan, lightning in a bottle. Uh, but I think there's a lot to his game. That's good. And, and Coyle, again, if you can get 45, 55, hopefully, maybe 60 points out of Coyle, like, I I don't know. I think you have something there. So I still think, yeah, for him, the most important thing is just a g- really good game. Like, I even looked at his numbers last year. I forgot how just how much he played, like, almost two minutes, 30 on the PK, 30% of his own faceoffs. Like, he was so good defensively that if he gives you 45 points and plays like that, which again, I think if you play a whole year with Marshan and Debrusco, what have you? I think like forty points is like the 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 floor in terms of again. Definitely. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be a seventy point guy, but 45, 55 points playing a really good two way game out of that line of what you're trying to maybe augment it into. I think you'll be happy. Yeah, I don't. I again, is it Bergeron Krejci? No, but for what they have, I think obviously people look and go, "Oh my god, what what a downgrade!" But I do think there is potential for Zaka to continue to rise and be a consistent scoring threat. And I think you're right. If Coyle could just kind of stick to that two-way game and let the points happen as they do, because Brad Marchand's on your left and DeBrusque's on your right, stuff's going to happen. Um, right. By the way, the third line uh, that Montgomery mentioned, uh, saying Frederick's going to be a big part of that third line, kind of goes in line with what we were talking about earlier this summer with Frederick. I know we we mentioned him as more of, hey, give him a shot in the top six. And I think a, a, a shot will come at some point. Um, but, I, you know, I think the Bruins look at it as, hey, Charlie Coyle was the guy on the third line for, you know, a long time. Not going to be that way anymore. Taylor Hall is gone, uh, so you can't put him on the third line anymore. Um, so Frederick's sort of your 
your leftover guy there who you've got to rely upon a little bit. And I think they, and I don't think, I know they do, look at Frederick as sort of that play driver. And I'm curious, like, can he be that? Because, uh, again, we were talking about him with the top six role. That was not going to be a play driving role. That was going to be, you know, what he kind of was on the third line last year and being sort of a, uh, not a passenger, but, you know, filling his spot, doing his job, but not doing anything, you know, crazy uh, and sort of seeing what that potential could be. This is going to be more of a leadership role in that third line, it feels like, if it starts out that way. Yeah, and, you know, what Montgomery said where you know, they don't want him at center because they want to free him up a little bit. Like, the the onus is now here on Frederick to, to make the most of that, right? Like, he's a guy that when you see when he's on his game and he's physical and he's annoying guys without, you know, going over the line. And he's got a really great shot that I think um, really kind of showed out last year. I mean, he scores 17 goals. It's pretty obvious for how high his shooting percentage was, but – He's a guy that can be an impact player if he brings it every night. Um, and if their focus is just is to free him up and have him stick to that style of, of play, he has the, the potential to be an impact third-line guy. He's a guy that, when he's playing at his best, has a skill set that I think every team in the NHL would covet, of being a physical winger who can make plays on the forecheck, can finish plays, all that stuff. Um, it's just going to be, can he consistently do that and especially where he's going to be as you said like a featured guy in that line like that's going to be a third line that's going to be potentially all over the place right like is it we can probably pencil in geeky as a three c for right now but who else is it going to be right is it lauco is it you know take your pick of all these guys in the bottom six boquist chaison you got chaison chaison Montgomery spoke highly of Chase on in this. He was saying that, you know, in Detroit, he was terrific in front of the net on the power play. And he always finds a way in the lineup. Like, again, that's another guy that is going to be vying for bottom six minutes. Yeah. So you have no shortage of different options out there, but you also no shortage of options. But you don't really have like a set assortment there. Right. Whereas like last year, I think one thing that helped out Frederick in terms of, of course, having a new coach, having, you know, a different communication style, all those things. But it also helps when the entire year you're next to your staples of the hip to one guy, right? Like he was with <laughs> Coyle pretty much the entire year. And whether it's with him or the fact that he also had a, a guy who would be a top six player for 90% of the league, 95% in Taylor Hall as your other guy driving play as well, uh, that helps out quite a bit. So it's going to be fascinating. They're, they're obviously giving a lot of responsibility to Frederick and we see how he kind of rolls with it because again, that third line, we've talked about it time and time again, how important your third line needs to be in terms of either being a, defensive stopper one that adds extra offense to your group it needs to be that second wave of whatever you're trying to accomplish there um and has to bring a lot of impact and frederick he's on his game can do that but we'll see and see how he meshes with what's going to be a pretty uh new and rotating cast of characters on that line i'm also you mentioned hall i'm fascinated what his connections like with connor bedard that's going to be an interesting thing all year because yeah. it feels like that's probably going to be his left wing um, and I, I'm fascinated to see how that kind of plays out early in the year. Bruins fans, we get to see it because Chicago's coming yep. like, what is it? Second home game? October 11th. Yeah. First, first so, game. For, oh, that's right. First home game. So that'll be uh, interesting to see uh, Bedard make his debut uh, at the garden. We can save that though. We can save that for, uh, for October. That can be a fun October topic. Um, bigger picture. Uh, we discussed this a little at the end of the year. I know I kind of just hit on it saying Montgomery had a rough postseason. Uh, a lot of times last year, it felt like he didn't 
you know, he had Bergeron there. He had Krejci there. They were there much longer than him. It felt like there were times he deferred to Bergeron. It was Bergeron's room, which, by the way, makes sense. <laughs> so Patrice Bergeron, like, you know, yes. I get that. But this is sort of going to be the first year that he's the main voice. Not saying he wasn't last year, but again, Patrice Bergeron was there. At times, you know, Montgomery made comments that made it kind of sound like, you know, Montgomery was on the team and Bergeron was the coach, um, which, again, makes some sense. Um, there were times I wish, you know, he's a little more strong in his, you know, uh, maybe, you know, the last game of the season, things like that, which I understood. Again, I, I again, I understand it at the time. Uh, but is he the right guy for this team? Is Montgomery the right guy for this group, which is a weird group where you've lost a lot from last year, but you're still trying to contend, but you have these young guys coming up, but none of them are big impact guys. It's all kind of guys that are vying for top for bottom six minutes, Beecher, Lauco, McLaughlin, um, throw Frederick in that mix. Like is Montgomery the right guy for this group? Yeah. I think we're probably about to find out, right. That goes in <laughs> line with what we always talk about, right. With like just getting clarity this year. And, you know, I think Montgomery let's you know, let's be clear. I think he deserves a lot of credit for how he, uh, you know, fit into that locker room last year. And, and Oh yeah. And so many oh my guys. God played into it but we'll see how it is this year where it's a road a new cast of players new leadership group um you know what people always talk about montgomery is his communication style and how he can help you kind of navigate the ups and downs of the year and again you're probably gonna have more of those this year even if like this team is a playoff team and is in the mix and all those things it's not always going to be sunny when it's you know coil and zaka in the top six or a guy like frederick in a featured role or Lauko building off of last year, all these younger players that are fighting for the lineup. When again, you look at this roster, just how many guys they have in the bottom six. It's not going to be easy. Like if you're going to require a lot of these guys to really kind of push. They, they could create a whole team. The they could create yes. four lines out of their bottom six. Yes, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, more of a slog, especially for the players who are either going to be handed uh, more daunting assignments or have tougher matchups, all those things. So, I think if you're the Bruins and you're, you know, I'm not saying they were already had the, the long game plan, but this was something that, yes, you wanted to switch things up. You wanted a new message uh, with the established core you have, but also looking ahead when you knew that you only had a year or two left of Bergeron and Krejci, having a coach known for his communication style and, uh, you know, getting guys to play free, play to their strengths, that falls in line with, I think, what they're looking for for this next wave of guys where they're thrusting so many guys into different roles, hoping they succeed but maybe having a guy like Montgomery in place who can kind of help you navigate through those challenges um, that present themselves is the right move. So we'll see again, it, it's all about, you know, it's the, what's the, the Mike Tyson quote, like everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. We'll see what happens. Last year didn't have a lot of situations where the Bruins were losing four or five or anything like that. Or it was really a case, you know, last year it shows you how good the Bruins had it where to like both old Mark and Swimming both had like stinkers like two or three in a row, right? Like they'd have maybe one, they'd had two losses in a row. Where you're like, oh, all right, well, it's not great. Shake it off. They bounce back. What happens now, right? If that, if that happened, which is inevitable in the position, in hockey, all those things. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he kind of goes through the expected course of any two-game season. It's not going to be uh, 135 points, 65 wins, all those things again. Uh, so we'll see how you kind of navigate those challenges because um, whether it's things just, falling back to the mean as we expected, or these guys in these different roles, uh, the owners is going to have to fall on Montgomery to get the most out of this roster where, again, look at it right now, a whole lot up in the air in terms of how this lineup kind of plays out. 
Yeah, one thing uh, back to last season. I mean, Montgomery, as you said, I think he fit in that locker room perfectly in a sense. Like he sort of let the players do their thing. Let the he let them cook, as the kids say, and it worked yes. out great. Um, I am curious this year. You know, Montgomery is very positive, and he's positive especially with the media, you know, I mean, even in this story with, with, with Conroy, it was very, you know, good natured. It was, it was, you know, high spirits, high hopes. This is a very critical city with very passionate fans what? who have no problem turning on their team when things even just look like they could go wrong. Uh, we even saw this last year. I mean, there were, you know, people were very down on the Bruins going into the suck. season. <laughs> so. People thought they were going to be terrible and they were the greatest regular season team uh, ever. So, I am curious as this season goes along and they hit their inevitable slumps and, you know, guy like Coyle scores, you know, one point in, you know, nine games, something happens like that. What's his message to the fans and the media going to be? Is he still going to be positive? And if he's positive, which is fine, fans are going to get on him for it. And there's going to be heat coming from the outside. And I know the outside stuff shouldn't matter, but in this city where the noise is very loud, it can seep inside very quickly. And I am curious how that positivity kind of plays here when things aren't going perfectly. If he continues to sort of spin it as positive things or if he tells it like it is. I think part of the reason Bruins fans love Bruce Cassidy was he didn't spin things. Yeah, we, like sucked. <laughs> we sucked. I mean, it was just he was honest with that stuff to a fault. To a fault. I mean, that, that clearly did not help him long term here. So, again, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way for Montgomery to handle it, but this city can turn quickly. And it, I mean, just in that playoff series alone, people turned on him in a second. Um, and then Cassidy goes and wins the cup and people are, you know, immediately, oh, my God, what if? So uh, but again, I mean, you look at the, the, you know, his history of prior to the NHL working with younger players, you know, USHL had success at Denver, like clearly can get younger guys to play for him. Um, the question is, how do you blend this roster? How do you develop yeah. guys like Beecher and McLaughlin and Lauko and, you know, not stifle their development when they're guys like Patrick Brown and Boquist and Cheyasan and Milan Lucic and many other guys. So um, there's a lot for him to take on this year. It's going to be a very hard year for not, I mean, not like, you know, they're not going to be terrible, but it's, there's going to be a lot more challenges this year that I think last year maybe didn't pose. Um, so should be interesting. I'm curious as you are uh, for sort of how he fits in this group and, and what he can do for them. Uh, but Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're going to have you covered uh, throughout these final weeks of the offseason. Had a uh, piece breaking down DeBrusque's future with the team. Just dropped on uh, on Sunday night. So we have that. We'll have more looking at just individual players, their roles, what to expect, what more room do they have to grow, all that stuff throughout the next couple of weeks until we finally at last get to training camp. Um, so that'll be coming up shortly, thank goodness. And we'll have you covered with other stuff throughout Boston Sports, of course. Patriots, I was at uh, Mookie Betts' return at Fenway. Was Ooh, how was that? It's a blast. It was great. Great to see him back. Uh, never should have traded him, but alas. Nope, never should have. Again, we'll have you covered any, <laughs> everything big that's happening in Boston Sports. Please read all of our stuff over at boston.com and if you want to follow me on twitter you can at connor ryan underscore 93 go do all that that's connor ryan i'm evan marinovsky we're presented by fanduel you bruisby listeners have a great rest of your week 